0: Any questions or comments or observations? Do you see the torque in the body? So sometimes the torque is created by the attack. Um, But as another side of the universe... Sometimes you create the torque in the attack, in the attacker. And the point is, it's very difficult to project the entirety of a body when it is segmented. So most of your Aikido culture, the torque is assumed in the assigned intention so UK is given an intention and then that intention automatically or usually automatically comes with that lack of segmentation it's kind of like an extra if you're buying a new car and you're like do I get floor mats yeah yeah it's in there it's in the convenience package. Do you get what I'm saying? And what you're supposed to do in Kihon is not, not rely upon that torque in the body, but to become sensitive to it, so to, to understand its necessity, and to kinesthetically identify it. So sometimes when it is presumed in the assigned attention, and you go ahead and move, you actually move in a way that you segment uke and then they fall for you because they're dressage ponies, right? But we need to move beyond that. So, you know, the dressage pony uke is uh, like training wheels. So you use that person to have the beginner get some parts of the technique, usually just uh, an opportunity to memorize the sequence. But that's ages away from knowing the art and practicing the art. And so the Dressage Ponyuke is ages away from practicing the art. So um, therefore, it's up to you that you understand the importance of the non-segmented body, how to utilize it, how to maintain it, and what you can do and can't do with it. That's very much a part of the Aikido. The art of throwing someone in the way that Aikido uh, presumes or wants you to throw them. Do, Do you guys understand that? So, as you saw in the technique, I mean, it's like a little finger flick and people go flying, and it's because there's just so much torque in up through the upper body that when you affect the lower body like that you're going to get a huge projection on them, right? I, what I have found over the decades of teaching that most Aikidoka don't understand this torque. They don't understand it. Um, they go ahead and only utilize the assigned intention and the convenience package torque that is presented there, okay? And so they actually end up doing tactical architectures that dismantle the torque and then segment the body and then, you know, you don't really have a throat. You don't really have a projection. You have some sort of masquerade, some sort of vaudeville, okay? Um, as you can see, when you get the torque running through the body and you can now project the body uh, in this way right Uh, It's not much ukemi right when you understand ukemi as I'm going to do my back break fall or or, or what have you you're not you're going to just land and hopefully you remember how to uh, keep your center engaged and keep your head off the mat so that you can come back for another rep. But uh, what happens is you don't really have control. The other person has control of you. And, you know, hopefully they're nice enough to just do enough to give you about a four-foot projection, uh, but not try to kill you. Um, but that landing is what Uke is doing from that inverse side of this torque. You're maintaining torque. You're preventing yourself from being segmented so you can land in this kind of organized way, right? Uh, and when you can't do that, then you know here we're not going to kill you, um, but you won't feel the art your your Aikido is something else that real you know, honestly I don't call Aikido. It's just you're waiting to learn Aikido. Okay? So you need to understand it as Nage and obviously you need to understand it as Uke if you want to be able to get back up and get back in there, right? More than one time. Okay, anything else? Yes. Technique, uh, especially watching some of the reps with Chris um, and then feeling a couple reps uh, almost kind of remind me of like a like a mouse trap or something. Like it's all wound but then this hair trigger and you get this huge uh, yeah, all that release of that pent up energy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that and that's what you get. And in this version of the technique it's it's what comes about when the Uke uh, does their job and fills that last yin spot into the ura maneuver, into the downward spiral, right? The, the uke is going to not just fall, but going to take or try and get that second step in, right? And when they get the second step in, instead of pushing down or making a smaller circle on the elbow in, in the rokyo, you're going to open the whole thing up and move the whole center of that technique on the other side of your body, going the other way. And uh, and so, yeah. When they come up, boom! They just fall into that little mouse trap, which was the problem with when the two uke did not want to come around right. because you're not given the opening for the technique. It's now just arm wrestling, and we shouldn't be doing arm wrestling. You, you, the attacker should fall into the throws or fall into our pins. We don't uh, want to. Manipulate them in, into them, right? Uh, you know, if you have to, you 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 know, you go ahead, um, or use setups. Like I'm going to set you up here, but setups and forcing someone—this is low-level jujitsu. You—they're going to fall into these traps. Uh, and so, uh, in kihon waza, uke is assigned the role of matching uh, yin and yang to yin and yang, right? And so when, when uke comes around there, or when nage brings you around, there is one more step you can take as a live uke, where the dead uke usually just goes, oh, here's where I, I'm going to take a pin and, and get tapped out. Um, that kind of ukemi, you know, I think it's an entirely different technique. Uh, I don't, and it doesn't help nage learn what people are going to actually try and do. And uh, when you don't have that, feeling when you first feel it you're going to try and shove them down but you can't you're you can't shove them down because they got the foot around you have to actually do the jujitsu, jitsu right you got it you got to uh, uh find the new yin space to offer that and then if you can find the new yin space to their yang space then they just they fall down all on their own I didn't force them to fall down so uh, when you're doing kihonwaza, uh, uh, the assumption of the good uke is you're going to keep filling these spaces until uh, you can't. And you're not trying to land the same way every single time, um, you know, and and take my little cues as nage. Like, you know, it always reminds me of those, those uh, the Spanish Lipizzan, horses, do you, do you know what I'm talking about? So the, the, this kind of uh, horsemanship, uh, the rider it, it gives the subtlest of cues to the horse. Um, they're so subtle that the audience can't see them. they are little pressures on the thighs and the knees and the stirrups, right? And that's what the contemporary modern uke looks to me. Little cues, little, little tiny cues that the nage gives and then their little dressage pony uke will, oh, this is where I lay down or this is where I turn or this is where I throw myself, right? It's not, it's not, um, it's not authentic. It's not honest, right? And for a spiritual path the question of authenticity and honesty is vital and there can't be a spiritual path with that kind of deception. Okay, so when the the as long as the just or as long as the uke just has the same role as the nage Hey, I want you to harmonize yin and yang, yin and yang, yin and yang. Keep harmonizing, harmonizing them. Then you are practicing the art from the other side of the mirror, so to speak, right? Uh, and then you really learn things that you can only learn that way, which is how do I not push when someone's pushing on me when the ground is only two inches away? Do you see? And most people will go, oh, the ground's two inches away. I'm just going to shove them down. Two inches in, in, in an arrest situation or when someone does not want to go down, you're not going to make up two inches, right, unless you're stronger than them. Well, that's not – what's the point of a martial art then, Okay. So two inches miles will be two miles with somebody who's stronger than you and you're trying to push them down now. But most people will go, two inches, I'm going to go a whole lot of yang. And then, you know, it's goofy. But to have an uke who's alive and finds that last little bit of yin space where they can do a last bit of the yang on those two inches where the nage goes, hey, don't chase the finish line. Stay consistent with the arts, ideals. And you're going to understand the art at a whole other level than someone who's doing, you know, the Spanish dressage with your tiny stirrups. Okay. Anything else? Off-topic's fine. Yes. Since I'm finding myself very frazzled, um, I feel that my mind is like the, I guess, the tied-up cat that wants to go everywhere but is stuck on... And there and yeah so the, the question is of our minds are jumping all over the place okay um, you know this this brings up uh, the contemporary in vogue issue of mindfulness right I, I, I ask only on continue your training and to, you do need to tether that cat or tether that monkey, so to speak. But it's a beginning level, okay? Don't, don't make the end all of it. it. It is a pathological state, very much like, um, you know, sitting on the couch and eating chips every freaking day. That's a, that's a diseased person. And so if this couch potato comes to the dojo we're going to make them move right and when they move they're going to exercise their lungs and they're going to um, promote circulation Uh, they're going to release endorphins and it's going to feel pretty good Do, do you get that but the truth of it is is hey you're so sick we can't actually train so we need to first make you healthy, and what we're going to do is just, you're going to start walking, or you're going to do tie no hand coat, right? Or you're going to learn to get up and off the mat without anyone throwing you. And it's going to do plenty for where you're at, and you're going to have that novice effect, and it's going to feel good, but it's nowhere near what we want. Because somewhere after that, we also need you to learn how to feel like vomiting and wanting to quit and crying and starting the self-pity cycle, but getting through that, right? And then we have a whole other level after that where you feel that pleasure, the freedom that comes from knowing I got nothing left, but I'm not quitting. And the, and the pleasure on the other side of that, right? And then we need you to reach another stage where you never enter into any kind of self dialogue associated with any kind of fatigue level. Do you, do you see? And those are so far from, hey, let's walk back and forth across the mat, let's do Taino Henko slow, right? And that's the way you need to think of the, you know, the monkey mind and the tethered and the tether. It's just a beginning level. It's not something. It's something you need to let go of sooner or later. Okay, so how bad should I hold on to it? Right? You know, the things you can do is much of your kihon waza can be a matter of of utilizing the tether because it's a prescribed movement and you're going to hold yourself to it. You're not going to change how your grip goes. You're not going to change the step sequence, right? And when you do that, hey, guess what? You're going to have to be present in every single move of that kihon waza. So there you are, you're practicing your mindfulness in Kihon Waza, right? But as we've said a million times, if you do your Kihon Waza, if that's where the furthest you get in your Kihon Waza is the mindfulness practice, yeah, it's going to look odd. And it's nowhere near the ultimate aim of Takamusaiki. It's actually the obstacle to Takamusaiki. But you can utilize your Kihon like that. Okay? And I do tend to see it that way. So as, as a teacher, I look at the people and go, wow, you got you can't be mindful. You have no concentration capacity. So we'll use Kihon Waza that way, right? But as you advance, then I use it the other way. Wow, you only have concentration. You don't have an unfetteredness to your mind, right? You, you don't have Mushin. So we need to look at that because that uh, Mushin, right, is a whole other kind of presence, right? A, a more legitimate, again, a more authentic presence than mindfulness is, than concentration, than hyperfocus. Hyperfocus Hyper-focus is the kind of absence, right? When you think about it, it's the kind of absence of everything else but that thing that I'm focused on. And Mushin's not that. You don't have a huge blind spot for the sake of a giant light. Okay, So use your kihon that way, you know. Um, zazen, use your zazen that way, use your that way. That's a, those are very good techniques to go, I'm going to make sure that I'm not glossing through any of the moves in this sequence, that I'm present for each aspect of it. And you can develop concentration. Concentration is a skill. It's not, it's not an emotional state. It's a skill, right? So the more you practice it, the better you can be at it, right? Just don't make the end all of it, and remember that, you know, someone told you that is a kind of blindness, so it can't be awakening or enlightenment. There's a darkness associated with it, okay? Yes? I'm finding the my when I am um, not picking up on any of the subtle... I'm not being sensitive to what I should be doing and I don't know what I'm feeling for is when I'm waiting for these gross movements to tell me what to do and by then I'm late and I'm not blending and I've missed the opportunity. I feel like the absence of, uh, the opposite of resistance is awareness in a way. I don't know. Well, I mean, remember, as we said already, you're you're asking about the... uh, you you use the word cues, but I already use the word cues in a negative way. But you know, let's let's you're asking about the cues for uke, but really, just let's stick with my description, which is the matching of yin and yang. Okay, so you're you can't tell how, where the yang or the yin is, so you're not sure where to match it. Um, you know, that's that's no different. As I said, that's the inverse or the, the other side of the mirror. So that's the same skill as Naga is using. The, the difference is that, um, and, and this is why Uke is the great learner in, in Aikido, the difference is that uh, you tend to have a pain motivator in on Uke's side, and you don't always have one on Naga's side. You, usually, for the beginner, Nage has some sort of pride motivator, but um, the uke side can often come with a pain motivator in the shape of you're now going into the elbow pressure or you're going into the nikyo in the wrong way or uh, you're going to hate this fall, right? And so you take a bad fall. So there's very much a motivator on side on woo, I better match this stuff so that I can get this uh, this final bit of harmonizing yin and yang when I'm projected and I land with the mat or something like that, right? Uh, a little bit ago I did a, we did a video on Ikyo ura, and I think you can look at my ukemi and see that it's just can be soft. there's really no reason why. You can't continually harmonize the yang efforts of nage. You, that's the theory of jiu-jitsu, so it would be kind of weird to say that I have to land hard all the time, right? Especially so in pinning techniques, right? Projection techniques where you're launched, like we said, four feet you know, or more. Yeah, there's not much you can do, but land, but harmonize now with that mat. Okay. So if we just look at this question, not so much as a particular to uke, but just the difficulty of matching yin and yang. I mean, I think the the biggest and most common obstacle is that the we can't feel it. Like, kinesthetically, we can't. We're still trying to operate at an intellectual level. And that's a whole other kind of dancing, so to speak. So if you look at Naga it's a kind of dance. It's a kind of partner dance, right? And, you know, in traditional partner dancing, you have someone leading and someone following. And when, you know, if you were in traditional partner dancing and you wanted to lead every time, sooner or later your partner's going to go, hey, this is where you follow. In other words, you're doing it wrong. And the dance looks terrible. So rather than competing with Nagi, if you look at that dynamic as you and I are trying to manifest a particular pattern of yin and yang harmonization, a dance, so to speak, you see well i can't dance intellectually i have to feel the music i got to feel my partner so if we if we understand that yeah i this has to be operating at, at the sensation of feeling at this what i'm calling this kinesthetic level then a few things are often associated with that right Uh, If I am not present, and we go back to your point, if I am not present, then I'm always going to be wrong. If I'm on the last beat or the next beat, there's no way I can harmonize. And so if we go, okay, well, let's look at the problem of presence. And when you look at presence, what projects us forward and backwards in time? Really, it's our fear especially in a situation where it's the learning environment utilizes human versus human violence, fear is going to be the, the prime unwanted aspect. And here's the thing. You can look at presence. If you want to define presence, it's actually the reconciliation of fear or the absence of fear. So by default, when I have fear, I don't have presence. Just by default. So if we take this problem, we go, okay, I need a kinesthetic awareness of what's going on. I need a reconciliation of fear. And okay, how do I do that, right? And then we are going to come back to the Budo, you know, source, which is self-attachment. The attachment to the self makes possible the experience of fear and prevents the reconciliation of fear and prevents presence, which presents the kinesthetic awareness, which prevents the dance from being beautiful. All right, how do I get rid of this? All right, this is the practice that does get rid of it. So what's the answer? More practice. Okay. But we already mentioned authenticity and honesty. The assumption there is equality of practice. Right? And now it's a, the, the, the person that's still looking for an out, they just go, well, you said quality, not quantity. Nope. It's the quality of a huge amount of quantity. That is the way that you do this. And uh, when you don't have the quality of a huge quantity, it's very hard to do. Maybe impossible. I'm going to say it is impossible. And, And when I say impossible, I mean for fast violent dances you you can do it right you can harmonize and appear to be dancing properly you know in easy dances small dances short dances slow dances Right? Do you remember when you were in teenage in teenage years, and you had your first dance, and like we could all slow dance, but I can't really dance, but I can slow dance. It's kind of like that in Aikido. Like, if we go slow enough, I can do this dance. But is that Aikido? Right? Not, in the sense it is, but it's not because it requires that it never speed up. Then it's not Aikido. So, I, there's just no way around it. Stop fighting the universe. You need quality with a whole lot of quantity. And then you can start to feel the music, feel your partner, right? Even this last technique with the torque, some of you can't feel it. You just can't. You don't know what you're feeling. You're not sure what you're watching. You don't know why James went flying like that. You're Like, what's going on there? And you can't get your person to fly like that at all. Do you see? You're nowhere in the ballpark to 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 feel that. Your your senses are not honed enough. It's not. It's not anything special. It's just you don't have the hours. And in some way, that is very special because not everyone gets the hours. Not everyone does the hours, you know. In some way, that's more profound. It's less profound to go, I was just born with it. It's more profound to go, I was so not born with this, but I did this many hours and no one else has. Right? If you go, well, I was born like this. Eh, somebody in Siberia is probably born like that too. Right? And someone down in Peru, and someone over and ten people over there in, you know, Canada. But the amount of hours that it takes, and the work, and the sacrifice, and the dedication, and the doing without. That's profound. But we tend to come here and go, how do I get all this without doing any of that stuff? Right? Everyone wants to hack everything. How do I hack my training? How do I cut this down? can I do this in a weekend seminar? How about a four-hour course? Right? It's ridiculous. I treat the art like a marriage. Hey, you walked in the door now you're married and there's nowhere else to go. Right? This is, this is your practice. You don't, to be, you don't want to be one of those monks who comes in the temple. Oh, I'm out. I'm back in. Oh, I'm out. I'm back in. Right? You commit to the way. You commit to the way. And, the, and commitment is a sign not necessarily of how much you are giving to that practice right but how much else you're not doing that's the difference most people that you know when you see somebody who can't do the hours you're seeing it's you're seeing somebody who's doing way too much other stuff that that's how that's the truth of it it's not It's not a moral thing. It's not that's a bad person and this is a good person. It's just, that's the law. That's the law of mastery. Accept it. Stop trying to get, you know, a coupon or an exemption. Just accept the law. If I want that, then I have to stop doing this and that and that thing and You just have to stop. Let's end there. This concludes this episode of Budo, the Way of the Warrior podcast. For more information, please visit SensionCenter.com. S E N S H I N C E N -N T-E-R dot com or find us at Facebook at Sension Center and on our YouTube channel at Sension One. Thank you for listening.